The big story in South Africa right now is something that's happening 7,000 kilometers away, the war between Israel and Hamas. Reason? South Africa became involved in the matter after the ANC government brought an action against Israel in the International Court of Justice in The Hague. The court ruled on Friday. Its judgment was long enough to give pundits on all sides an opportunity to repeat the parts that suited their argument. So, depending on who you believe, the South African jurors who presented the case should either have been welcomed home like conquering heroes or castigated as being part of a plot that wasted taxpayer money and threatens national economic stability. My legal knowledge is limited to a second-class pass in Com Law 1 some decades ago, which is another way of saying interpreting this is way outside my circle of competence. But we do have partners who can do so very well. In London, the Financial Times has the resources and credibility to get as close to the truth as anyone. And they did so this morning in the FT News Briefing. Here's the FT's Joanna Keo and the group's Jerusalem correspondent, James Schotter. The United Nations highest court on Friday ordered Israel to limit harm to Palestinians in Gaza. This was an initial ruling in a case brought by South Africa that accuses Israel of committing genocide. Israel has forcefully denied those accusations. The final ruling could take years, but it comes as leaders and diplomats are racing to put forward plans for a ceasefire. I'm joined now by the FT's Jerusalem correspondent, James Schotter. Hi, James. Hi. Okay, so let's start with the ruling from the International Court of Justice. In what ways, if any, does this initial decision change the situation on the ground inside Gaza? I think the answer, to be honest, is not very much. The court issued six emergency orders that Israel has to comply with. These included you know, prevent and punish incitement to genocide, allow the provision of more humanitarian aid in Gaza, then take steps to preserve evidence relating to the case. So from a military point of view, I don't think any of those orders is really going to change the situation on the ground very much. I mean, South Africa in its application had asked for Israel to be ordered to immediately suspend its operation in Gaza, and the court didn't do that. So I think if it does have an impact, it's likely to be quite small. Does the ruling potentially create a sort of breakpoint or a means from which the international community can push for a more lasting ceasefire? I mean, maybe it you know adds a little bit to the mounting international pressure on Israel to agree to a ceasefire. I think there's also a recognition that some of the other orders are at least politically uncomfortable for Israel. The order to punish and prevent incitement to genocide and the order that Israel has to provide a report to the ICJ on how it's complying with the measures the court has imposed. Both of those could affect the political debate a little bit in Israel and internationally and also put Israel in a position of having to sort of explain itself on an ongoing basis, which I think you know, is, I mean, it's obviously not a hugely significant impact, but it's less comfortable than it could have been. So let's talk a little bit about where we stand in an effort to work towards a ceasefire. We've talked in the show before about a plan that Arab countries are working on. It would include the creation of a Palestinian state and the normalization of diplomatic ties between Israel and its Arab neighbors, most importantly, Saudi Arabia. 
Is it the only plan or are there others also under consideration? Yeah, I mean, there's lots of initiatives um, being discussed by diplomats at the moment. I mean, as you say, there's the Arab plan. Uh, the EU is pushing for uh, concrete steps towards a two-state solution, which is, you know, its long-standing position. The UK also has its own uh, plan, which it's been discussing with other partners uh, that would include temporary ceasefire and uh, exchange of hostages and then work towards a permanent ceasefire and some sort of political horizon for a Palestinian state. And then obviously the US has been pushing for a two-state solution with the West Bank and Gaza. So I think you know, there's a lot of plans being discussed at the moment, but the, the roadblock they all face is that Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, who's Israel's prime minister, he's spent his whole career trying to prevent the creation of a Palestinian state. And at the moment, certainly there's not much political appetite in Israel for a two-state solution. I mean, only really on the very left of the political spectrum is there much support for that. So even if Netanyahu were replaced, it doesn't necessarily mean that the Israeli leadership would be much more amenable to a two-state solution. Okay, so all these plans you bring up, they're all hinged in some way on a two-state solution. But like you say, that's kind of a non-starter for Israel at this point. So is there a roadmap for any sort of lasting ceasefire? I think it's very difficult at the moment to see how we get to that just because the two sides are so entrenched. It's still hard to see how a deal can be reached, you know, at least in the short term, or maybe in the long term with enough external pressure, something's possible, but the politics is incredibly fraught. James Schotter is the FT's Jerusalem correspondent. Thanks, James. Thank you. So whether or not you believe the ANC's intentions were honorable, which is a point we will revert to in a moment, the fact is it did not succeed in the attempt to stop Israel operating militarily in Gaza. The story, though, is taking on a life of its own here at home, which may not work out so well for four large South African corporations, MTN, Nedbank, Standard Bank, and ABSA. Over the weekend, the chief rabbi of South Africa, Warren Goldstein, made some serious allegations against the businesses. We'll get their views in the course of the week as they come back to us. But for context, here is how Rabbi Goldstein interpreted the ICJ case and the judgment. And even a political body appointed by the United Nations General Assembly, whose members are mainly non-democratic states, couldn't bring itself to order Israel to cease fire. But we do not have to be grateful to them for that. They had no moral right to order Israel to cease its just war of self-defense in the first place. What these so-called judges should have done is to express the gratitude of the international community of civilized nations for the bravery and sacrifice of Israel's young soldiers, who, as we speak, are going door to door to fight and defeat the forces of barbarism in the Middle East, so that many of you listening to this who live in the free world will one day not have to do it for yourselves in your own cities to protect your own children and grandchildren. This is not 1938. It's 2024, and the Jewish people do not have to go on our knees to beg for the right to defend ourselves against those who seek to exterminate us. My name is Warren Goldstein, the Chief Rabbi of South Africa, and here's why I say that. With God's blessings, we have a sovereign Jewish state for the first time in almost 2,000 years, protected by a powerful army, ensuring Jewish blood is not spilt with impunity. 
The October 7 attacks were the bloodiest slaughter of Jews since the Holocaust. But we are not living in Holocaust times. The Israel Defense Force is defending Jewish lives and making sure such an attack can never be repeated. Okay, and then he goes on to say some really interesting things. Let's just pick up a little bit further down the line. Jews of the diaspora have the right, the resources, and the capacity to support and defend the interests of the state of Israel and the Jewish people in this just war of self-defense. And unlike 1938, we are not alone. We have allies across the globe fair-minded, decent citizens and free democratic governments who are fully behind Israel and the Jewish people at this moment of crisis. Our allies can see clearly the justice of Israel's cause. And unlike the ICJ, they can tell who are the real genocidal forces. They support us because it's the right thing to do. Justice demands it, but also because they realize that this is not just a war against the Jews. This is a war against the cherished values of the free world, human dignity, freedom, tolerance, the rule of law and basic human rights. And around the free world, there are many who are grateful to the IDF for fighting terrorists in Gaza so that they will not have to fight them in the United States or Europe. We have seen this support manifest in many different ways. The rock solid support of the United States, United Kingdom, European Union and Indian governments, many African countries, including Kenya, Ghana, Rwanda and Zambia and other democracies around the world. The way Germany heroically pledged to stand by Israel in the dock at the ICJ proceedings and the historic Abraham Accords with important Arab countries have weathered the storms of the Gaza war. And beyond those signatories, not one Arab nation sanctioned or joined the ICJ proceedings. The list of countries who supported South Africa's ICJ application are almost exclusively dictatorships who feel threatened by free democracies. Wow. Powerful stuff. And certainly the kind of information that if you are a South African can only make it a little bit more confusing to understand exactly what it is that we should be doing as voters coming up to our big election in just a little while. The rest of Chief Rabbi Goldstein's message, it was primarily to the local Jewish community, was in a similar vein, in part drawing on the history of the Jewish people, including from the book of Exodus and well-documented persecutions through the centuries and, of course, touching on the Holocaust. His bombshell, though, is contained in a burst of just a couple of minutes. Here, the rabbi makes some powerful allegations and threats against those four companies. Let's have a listen. That is what happens in a democracy. The South African press is already investigating the corrupt business and financial ties between the ANC and Iran amid allegations that it initiated the ICJ application in exchange for funding to clear its debts and prepare for elections this year. The truth will emerge just as it did before at the time of the state capture of all of the government's state-owned enterprises. And if it's happening again, and if this time the state capture is the country's foreign policy, we are going to find out about it. It's not just about the ICJ case. The truth of all of this is connected to South African telecoms company MTN's partnership with the world's largest and most lethal state 
terrorist organization, the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps, and that will also come out. I've seen the court papers of a class action suit brought against MTN, formerly chaired by President Ramaphosa, by families of those killed by the Iranian Republican Guard. And the matter is now being heard in the United States courts. All of the implications for current and former directors, including the president, for breaching severe United States sanctions against terror organizations and those who support them, all of that will come out and be felt. And now the latest story broken by the Jerusalem Post is one in which they accuse South African banks, Nedbank, Standard Bank and ABSA of providing funding platforms for Hamas. I can tell you that I have written to the CEOs of these banks and have given them the opportunity to come and see me to provide assurance and proof that these allegations are without merit. Failing which, I have warned them that there are numerous local criminal and international anti-terror laws that they may be contravening, and I will personally pursue this case in every possible forum to hold them to account. Wowzers. Well, Chief Rabbi Goldstein is certainly breathing fire. As mentioned earlier, we're approaching the companies for their side of the story, and we will report that in due course. I'm Alec Hogg from biznews.com. <laughs>